Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Jess. Um, hi. Thanks. Um, the title I was given was Faith Speaks. The title of the text I've got is The Taming of the Tongue. So I've called it, Our Words Have the Power of Life and Death, Speak Life. Now, words are really important to me, not just because I like talking, but if you know me, you know that's truth. Um, but because I have had a career in communications, so carefully constructed words are kind of what I'm all about. And um, so it's kind of interesting and quite exciting that I get to talk about this topic to you. And um, there's been some words in my life, and I'm sure it's the same for all of us if we were to think back, that have really impacted me and sort of almost uh, impacted the course that my life has taken. Now, when I was a child, um, I thought, rather naively, but you have to bear in mind, I grew up in a house with three older sisters who were four, 10, and 12 years older than me. So I was the baby by quite a long way, and it felt like this adult world all happened around me, and I wasn't quite always sure. I was mostly confused. And um, until I got to about 10 years old, I thought that take care, I love you was all one word. <laughs> and that was because when anybody either ended a phone call or left the house or whatever, take care, I love you, take care, I love you, take care, I love you, that was, that was what was said. And um, I remember being about 10 years old and saying to my mum, why do we always say take care, I love you? And she said, you know, because if that was the last thing I ever said to you, I'd want it to be I love you. And and I was like, you know, that really defined something about my family life growing up, that we always wanted each other to know how much we loved each other. Um, when I was about 12 or 13, maybe, and I was part of uh, so the church I grew up in, small, independent Christian fellowship, no paid staff or anything like that, uh, run by elders and deacons, kind of old school. And, um, you know, there was a lot of older people in the congregation, and I remember... I used to, uh, I was walking out one day and there was this couple called Charles and Mabel and Charles caught me by the arm and he said, Jess, I want you to know that we pray for you every day. And at the time I was like, oh, thanks, that's nice, yeah. But you know, since then I've wondered, I wonder how many blessings I've seen in my life as a result of the prayers of Charles and Mabel and the encouragement that that gave me as a 12 or 13-year-old. And, um, and as I was reflecting on this, I thought, that's, really, that's been really significant in my life. And thirdly, when I was uh, 17, I was on a, a sixth-form residential, and my boyfriend at the time, I think there's a picture of us, and we were 17, uh, was there with me. And uh, we hadn't been together that long, but he... <laughs> there was um, a... Oh. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and he's on the phone now. No. <laughs> and um, do you know what? My mouth's getting dry talking about this. And, uh, <laughs> and um, he pulled me into the catering kitchen and he got me to sit on the side and he said, I'm not going to say this very often but I want you to know that I love you. And those words 
have sustained and shaped my life every day for the last 25 years. <laughs> I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> but you know what? The words that we hear, there are the, the positive things that we hear really shape and impact our lives, don't they? And, um, and those are just some of the positive words that have impacted mine. But I know that equally negative words can hugely impact our lives too, can't they? I don't think, you know, if you've had your eyes open and your ears open in, in the last couple of weeks, you could have failed to hear about the tragic death of the presenter Caroline Flack, who sadly took her own life. And um, whilst it's a complicated story, as I'm sure um, every story is, needless to say, there, are, there were words said both on social media and by the wider media that led to her mental health breakdown such that she would take her own life. Interestingly, I was reading an article um, and uh, there was a quote from Russell Brand. Uh, I think we've got the slide. And he said, if we want the world to change for less people to die in pain and shame, then we should pause before we next vent a pleasurable stab of vindicative judgment or jeering condemnation. I love, I love a Russell Brand quote for elaborate words, but he, you know, he captured something there. And, and interestingly, um, the hashtag that was trending after that was be kind. And I thought, gosh, you know, here we are in civilized society and we need to remind people to be kind. Um, there's a woman called Joan Smith who is the, um, the chair of the London Mayor's Violence Against Women and Girls Board. And off the back of this conversation, she was asked, how long do you think the spirit of kindness might last? And she replied, it lasts for about 10 minutes usually, doesn't it? I wonder what words have shaped your life. I wonder what words you can think of that have hurt you. And I, can, I wonder what words you think of that have encouraged you and shaped things for you positively. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, got a little uh, Instagram thing. I've, most of my stuff's off Instagram, to be honest, because I don't do Facebook anymore. Um, so Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Elaine, have you got the, uh, the slide? It'll come. It said, Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Might not be able to read it very well. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that begs the question of what our words say about us and what our words say about our heart. I wonder if we were to do a stock take of the last 24 hours or maybe the last seven days, and all of our words got put in a word cloud, which of those words would sit in the pot of positivity and encouragement and support and kindness and truth and empathy? And which of those words would sit in the negative pot of criticism and judgment and gossip and lies and blame? I find that quite challenging. The Bible has a lot to say about the power of our words. And, uh, you know, literally I could be here all day. There's that many quotes, but I won't do that. I've just picked out a few. So we've got some quotes from Proverbs. Again, if you can't, I'm reading them out, so don't worry if you can't see. Um, I'm not very experienced in PowerPoint. 
The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. Gracious words are honey, sweet to the soul and healing for the body. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So, what is it that God wants us to learn? Um, I think it's more than just the fact that this has been a problem since Solomon's time. I think he's got something for us in 2020. Um, So let's dig into our Bible reading. Again, it's on the screen, but um, it might be too small, so I'm going to read it out. And it's in the NIV, so if you've got a Bible, you can follow along. So it's James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Okay. So it's generally accepted broadly that uh, the James who wrote this book was James, the brother of Jesus. And um, and as I was reading it, I thought, I wonder if he was thinking of those words that we referenced in Luke chapter 6 of Jesus's when he wrote this. Um, now, what's he trying to say is making, he makes a really important point up front about teachers and leaders and people with uh, or influence and authority being judged more harshly. And there's a lot of teachers, leaders in this room. So, you know, we need to take notice of that. But I think predominantly... He's emphasizing the power of our words and the power of our tongues. Um, Back in 2017, my family and I went on holiday to the Greek island of Kefalonia. And um, one evening we were sitting in a restaurant, the kids will remember this, um, and uh, we were just sitting there and we looked up and we could see that the whole hill leading down to where we were was on fire. And it was really scary 
because we were quite some way away from where our apartment was, and we knew we had to go on this kind of coast road. And literally, from all you could see was fire on this hill. And uh, it was terrifying, actually. And as we drove, and what's weird about the roads is they wind like this. So at one point, you're going away from the fire. You're like, that's OK. And then you're like, oh, no, you're coming near to the fire. And it was all along the hill. And at one point, it was, I don't know how close, really close, not, not even the length of the church away from the road. And uh, we could feel the heat of it coming through the car window because there was no other road. We, we had this one road. And it was really terrifying. Thankfully, we got home safely, and, and the fires were put out and everything. But it was um, a particularly bad summer for fires, and I think uh, we found out the next day that they not only believed that those fires had been set on purpose, but they believed that those fires had been set on purpose by people who then sat and watched or tried to then help put it out. Now, that sounds a bit sick and twisted, doesn't it? Because you think, why would you do that? Why would you cause such destruction, stand by and let it happen, and then get involved with it afterwards? But I thought, wow, that feels an awful lot like what we do with our words sometimes. We know what buttons to press. We know what the impact's going to be. We do it anyway. We stand by and watch, and then we get involved with it. Now, I know I do that. I've done that, probably did it yesterday, actually, if I'm honest, it's, you know, life. And, and actually, maybe, who knows, who knows how many times I've done it, but I know I have. Have you? Do we press buttons? Do we set, set flames when we know that it's going to have that impact? Um, you know, quite often we do that, particularly with the people closest to us, our spouses. We know what's going to press the buttons of our kids. We know what's going to press the buttons of our parents. And I'm not talking to the children in the room. I know we know what's going to press the buttons with our siblings. Unfortunately, being a grown-up doesn't stop us from doing that. And uh, perhaps we do it with our friends or our colleagues. Uh, I saw a great quote this week. It said, trying to resolve conflict with gossip is like trying to put out a fire with jet fuel. How right is that? So the reality here for us in the book of James is that he's saying that our words are a reflection of our maturity as Christians. That's harsh. That's a bit ouch. Because he's calling us to reflect on whether the words that people hear us say actually represent our relationship with him. But you know... James is a bit confusing in this because he goes on and he says, but no human can tame the tongue. Great, we're off the hook. No human can tame the tongue, so sorry, it doesn't work. I think the answer lies back in the words of Jesus. Always a good place to go, I think. This is an issue of our hearts. It's an issue of our willingness to go to God and say, work on me in this area. Make me better at, my, at saying the right thing and not saying the wrong thing. It's about God's presence in our life and our, our daily practices of going to him, 
spending time in prayer, spending time reading the Bible, spending time worshipping in his presence, spending time in solitude, as Guy talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, spending time with God, letting him come and mould and shape our hearts so that what comes out is a reflection of him and that relationship. Um, You know, I've got some challenges to throw out, a bit of life application here. So brace yourselves, because some of it will feel uncomfortable. What if every time you felt tempted to say something harsh to someone, you prayed for them instead? What if, after conflict, the first thing you did was come away and reflect on what you said before you go and talk about what someone else said? You know, quite often, Gillian and I lead life group together, and quite often after life group, I'll go to her and I'll say, was that all right? Did I say the right thing? Do you think they, meant, they got it how I meant it? Because it's really important that I, ref- I, well, I really want to spend time reflecting on how I'm saying things, how they're coming across. And we could say, well, you know, Jess, that's easier said than done. You know, we're all human after all. True. But, you know, it says in Galatians 5, chapter, uh, verse 22, that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So, how do we get the fruits of the Spirit? We ask the Holy Spirit <laughs> for the fruits. So, you know what? If we go to God and say, God, I want to be more self-controlled, he's not going to say, that's not in my will. He's going to say, yes, yes, yes. So go to God, ask the Holy Spirit to give you more self-control. God doesn't expect us to do this by ourselves. He doesn't leave us to struggle like some beetle on its back. He wants to help us. Practice being kind. If, you're, if you know, and let's all be honest with ourselves, if you know that you're someone whose first words tend to be negative or critical, practice saying something positive first. Proverbs 12, verse 18, said, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I wonder if the next time you said something harsh to someone, you pictured a slash of a sword on them instead, whether it would help you to be more controlled. And I can, you know, I can hear the argument, but Jess, we've got to speak to people with truth in love. It's truth in love. Truth in love is fine if you've done the love. You don't get to speak the truth if you didn't do the love. So let's do the love first. Let's be quick to rush to each other to show love because then what we earn is the right to speak truth. And you want to hear it from people that you know love you, won't you? You know, we can all agree with that. There's a, uh, another little Instagram thing, post I saw from Nikki Gumbel, which, uh, again, I shall read out. And he gave an acronym, THINK. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? 
And is it kind? And if Nikki Gumbel says it, then it's good enough for me. You know, and I don't think God is distinguishing between our words and our typing. So if we're not kind online, we're not kind. Can't have it both ways. God isn't drawing that distinction. So we need to make sure that our online life is as reflective as our relationship with God as the words that we might portray to someone. Our words have power of life and death. Let's choose to speak life. And one last thing. When I was preparing this, I had this really strong sense that I should talk about this. And it's a bit of a can of worms, but I think it's important. I'm wondering if there are people here who regularly speak negative words to themselves. Stupid, ugly, useless, failure, hopeless, not wanted. You say things to yourself that you wouldn't dream of saying to a friend, and yet you criticize yourself, cut yourself down, not just in private, but publicly in front of other people. You'll know instantly if this is you. These are not God's words over your life. What God says is that you have a purpose. You are unique and special and designed and chosen and wanted and valued and loved and you belong and you have a family. You have a family here. You are wanted here. You belong here. It is time to replace those words with the promises and the truths that God has for you. Can I ask the band to come up? We're nearing the end. How am I doing for time? Let's check. Oh, two minutes over, sorry. I'll, uh, I'll start to wrap it up. <laughs> you know, I was thinking when I was preparing this, what if we just made these changes? What if we all just made a tiny incremental change in this area? Do you know what? You, the, the wave of change that we would feel collectively would be massive. It really would. You know, the impact it would have in our homes and our friendships and our families. It's so worth doing. It's so worth doing. We have a unique opportunity in our lives in this moment to speak positively and be Charles and Mabel as they were to me, to someone else. Who, are you, who have you told recently that you're praying for them? Who have you encouraged? Who have you built up? Who have you come along? Who have you shown empathy to? Is God nudging you about your words? You know, he's got a, he's got a way of putting his finger right on the bit. You know, you've only got to think a little bit. You perhaps close your eyes and, and allow it, him to speak to you because none of us have got this. James has already told us that none of us have got this, so we must all be relevant. It must be relevant to every one of us. You know, maybe you need to take some time this week to reflect on it. Maybe right now it's a bit intense and you think, I, I can't quite cope with that right now. But you're going to take some time and reflect on it and perhaps let God show you. Talk to a friend, someone you trust. <laughs> maybe you don't even know God. And uh, you're here this morning and, and you're wondering why Christians aren't better at their job. <sighs> but actually, you know, maybe God's stirring something in you and you want to explore more about what that means. Don't miss out.
This is for you, your benefit. Don't miss out on this opportunity that you've got. Come and get prayer. Talk to someone. Talk to me. But don't miss out on what God wants to do and his transforming power in your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time we've had this morning. Thank you for these words in the book of James. Thank you for your words, Lord, where you're showing us so gently as you always are how to live a more mature Christian life. Lord, would you show us how to go deeper with you? Would you show us what that looks like for us individually every day, tomorrow morning when we wake up? Would you draw us into you, Lord, so that all we have to give out is a reflection of you and your love. Don't let us hold on to bitterness. Don't let us hold on to to blame and angst. Help us move forward, God, in a positive way. Lord, that's what we long for. Would you speak to us? Would you transform us? Would you make us humble? and desire it. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what we've done, no matter how many times we've screwed up in this area, Lord, that you you always forgive, you always take us back, you always meet us where we are. Show us what to do. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit www.saintsaviorsunbury.org.uk.